Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg and Nick Kerr of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing, are we living in a dystopian nightmare? Um, and unusually, because of the third lockdown now, uh, we are recording this remotely. Okay, Nick, tell us about, uh, is it your personal dystopian nightmare or are we all living in a dystopian nightmare? Let's see. Um, go have, for have it. You heard of a, have you heard of a product called Huel? I have. I've, take, I've, I've used it, actually. It's part of the problem, Nick. Then... then then that's it. Then, <laughs> then it's over. I, I was, I was reading the internet the other day. I got about halfway through the internet and I discovered yeah. this uh, advert, which said seven eggs or a single Huel shake. You could whisk up around seven raw eggs. You could fry them, poach them, boil them or scramble them. Mm. You could waste time. It says, and make a mess, or you could just enjoy a Huel shake with 40 grams of protein ready in less than a minute. It's your call. It's your call, Nick. And I suddenly, I I just had this horrific image of someone, you know, deterred by the pressure of having to get to work and probably having to hit the gym before they get to work, Um, you know, because they they, they don't in their daily lives get any natural exercise sat at their desk in a call center, Mm. Um, you know, deciding not to have a nice omelet, um, but simply to put some powder in some, I guess it's like a watery drink thing that you put powder in right and and drinking that it's, it's, it's enough to make you heal quite frankly yes uh and uh and then you know legging it getting the bus to the gym through the rain um and uh the idea that you know one of the few pleasures in life is is you know cooking and eating nice food that that we should now do away with this now i <clears throat> admittedly huel isn't we're not being forced to eat it by a sinister government but it did seem it was such a dystopian vision that it came to me. And I thought, you know, I've been seeing adverts like this for a long time. I've, I've, have I, you know, have I been blind to the fact that we've sleepwalked into a kind of, you know, horrific... dystopian is it, is it actually soiling green and it's the ground up remains of, of, Humans. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I mean, I, I think the the um, I think soil and grid is a good. It's a you plug great it into example. the back of your head just here. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> it's a good example of a certain kind of, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of, you know, dystopias, fictional dystopias, it obviously shine lights on aspects of what we do. But this one just seemed it's it really sprang out at me. And I, I had this feeling of, you know, have I somehow seen through the matrix? Mm, mm, um, but mm. yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask, you know, it, what? How could you tell if you were accidentally living in a dystopia, and um, and are we? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, just as an aside, um, I I I bought this Huel once um, about six months or so are ago. Other protein drinks are um, available, by the way. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I think it's clear that not only are we not sponsored by Huel, but we're unlikely to be <laughs> in the near future. Yeah, I think we've blown that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all I will say is, is it's bloody awful. <laughs> it's terrible stuff. And I think I didn't, the reason I took it was not because of the, hey, I can't be bothered to scramble six eggs or whatever. It was, I think it was more to do with how precise it was. And something that we've talked about before is, let's say you're going on a diet or something. If you can remove kind of decision-making or something, it's a bit like, um, what's his face of Apple wearing jumpers, same jumpers all the time, right? Um, what's Jumps the name of the bloke? Like this one, Steve Jobs. Yeah, and this one actually. 
my heroes do jobs. Yeah, um, not really. Yeah, it's that I knew you know you're getting exact amount of calories, and I quite like that idea. That's the upside. The downside is it just tastes vile, and it's not just that it tastes vile; it's the texture of it. It's just like a slimy wet poo, you know. And it's... But what's the? But I mean, it's obviously successful, or at least it's got a good marketing department because I see it. I see it advertised everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's part of the um, the the culture of um, sort of ascetism, really. That I think we're 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 in at the moment, you know, which is like basically the worse mm. it tastes, the better it must be. Um, <laughs> and I think it's a mixture of that and also some of the language you were using when you're reading out the advert is that kind of have it your way kind of thing. Um, so anyway, That's right. Look- there was something in the tone. The tone is very sort of um, – it's it's like that sort of friendly uh, corporate uh, oh. tone, which which has been really prevalent in advertising for several oh. decades. But um, somehow sort of, you know, where it's like, hey, this is, this is going to make your life easier. And in oh. fact, you know – it, it's, it just makes your life more empty and devoid of meaning. Yes, quite. I did feel a bit emptier, actually. Um, so um, let's return to the... Because actually you slightly re- rephrased the question at the end there, Nick, which I think was along the lines of, are we living in a dystopian nightmare? And if so, how would we know something mm. along those lines? Um, Chris, would you like to weigh in at this point? Yeah, well, I think um, dy- dystopias are... Are, you know, we've got to work out what a dystopia is first, right? And and I think we obviously feel the need uh, from a from a a kind of fictional point of view to create these terrible future worlds, right? And to describe them in some way, and or, or alternative worlds in some way. So you know, you you've always had that with things like um, you know Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, you know the the Odyssey is basically a trip through a series of, of different dystopias um also the kind of the antediluvian uh world you know of of the um you know yeah. pre pre the pre the great flood uh yeah. which was basically a horrific nightmare true of, uh, true yeah you no, know, it, humankind it, gone gone yeah, wild state yeah state of state of nature um so so you know we always have this need to sort of paint a a world of something bad as we do to paint a world of something good but i i, I would say the the balance recently in our sort of fictional outlook, you know, dystopian fiction now is is a really significant genre, you know, and and lots of the most influential books published and and piece, you know, films um, that are, that are produced now are sort of dystopian in in nature. So I think there's a there's a real drive there to to have have dystopias, and I, I sort of think, well, you know, why why is that? Why do we why do we want to do that? And I, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of almost like um, worst case scenario planning for, for society at, at large. You know, it's like painting these pictures of places we don't want to go to. And so you get all of the, all of the um, you know, they put, they put it in the public consciousness what a bad world is and set signposts for how not to, not to get there. So, you know, you always hear the phrase, oh, that's a, that's a bit big brother you know, um, mm. and, and, and that is used to effectively scotch, you know, lots of political um, policy proposals, uh, you know, and that clearly comes directly from dystopian fiction. So I think, I think the first thing is, you know, they, they kind of serve a purpose and, and you know, what, what they actually are is a, I suppose from one perspective, a potential, usually a potential future world 
which society doesn't want to move towards. Yeah, I think there's a there's certainly a perception that um, dystopian um, dystopian fiction in general has is more popular and has been. I first, I mean, the first news articles saying <clears throat> why is why is 1984 flying off the shelves were 2016, and I think people were linking it to you know the sort of Donald Trump fake news um, denial of of. Of, you know obvious facts and um uh, and also what they perceive to be you know someone with sort of authoritarian tendencies taking over i think increasing polarization um people's tendency to um see you know if you take take people's tendency to see nefarious forces at work controlling um you know various important um parts of of society um on both sides i mean you know the example i always use is the bbc C- conservatives are convinced it's a it's a hotbed of of leftism and lefties think it's massively biased in favor of the government and and you know this tendency to see dark forces at work um uh, i think i think is has got a lot worse with with you know recent polarization um, they, this is all hypothetical because I couldn't even actually find data. I wanted to find some data on the on sales of, of dystopian fiction, but of course that's not a thing. So I couldn't I couldn't find a concrete um, you know a concrete. Uh, I mean, it's now got its own um, section in in bookshops. So you know, does it? Yeah, I mean that that's that's telling enough. And but of course, and I think and I think certainly over the last year, and we we talked about you know at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, we we did a podcast about about different types of apocalypse and how you know whether the apocalypse is starting and i think there's been obviously a big interest in that as well in sort of post-apocalyptic dystopias well what i was going to say isn't this to do with um growth in the rate of technology change well I, change because well, i think that might be part of yeah. it yeah i mean yeah. i think if you look at um you know how how dystopia how dystopias are kind of characterized there's, there's usually a main driving force behind them like all like all um speculative fiction as it's as, as it's referred to by people who don't want to be typecast as science fiction authors um <laughs> but um there there are there are unique sort of themes in them and i i've kind of been thinking about um dystopian you know works of art and and how how they are characterized and you, you have I, I think there are sort of six, seven main main groups of, of things that you that you get. Um, you know, some some of which, a lot of which, sort of fit into the you know post post apocalyptic type of, of scenario. But I'm trying to think about broader things, really. So you've got you've got ones which are um, you know uh, ecotopian. So you know, some sort of environmental um, problems ongoing. So things like do androids dream of electric sheep or uh, or yeah. Oryx and Crake. Um, you've got political ones, which are probably the ones that were most, you know, were most thought about. And so either from the point of view of sort of totalitarian regi- regimes like 1984 and, and V for Vendetta, or things that are about um, segregation, you know, classism, uh, uh, things like um, like feminist, uh, Handmaid's Tale, Testaments, power and so on um then you've got kind of disaster-based ones where something's going wrong like a pandemic for example uh or you know planet of the apes or or children of men um then you've got ones that are more sort of subversive like societal rot things like clockwork orange you know where society's gone mad or or the running man um is a a good example uh and then you come to your point fraser which is sort of technologically driven ones so all the black mirror stuff ready player one 
um, Terminator, you know, so on and so forth, where technology is the cause of, of the dystopia. Uh, and then finally, you've got kind of war, either in terms of, you know, um, the occurrence of war. So like starship troopers where, you know, there's ongoing war and that is the, the cause of the dystopia or kind of post-apocalyptic stuff like the road where war has caused a dystopia. Um, uh, and then the, the final kind of category is, is, is that, I, that I'd come up with was um, alternative histories, which all seem to feature kind of... Um, uh, it's got to be Nazis. Nazis, Nazis taking over. The, so Man in the High Castle, Fatherland, Dominion, uh, and so on. But you get, you get others like um, It Couldn't Happen Here, for example. Um, uh, yeah, where, where you, know, you get a US sort of um, uh, dictator um, uh, occur. Yeah, that's good. I, I I had a look at so I had a similar crack at you know how do how would we classify this tape is so I had a look at existing uh, classifications and they're all a bit um, they're all a bit sort of haphazard. I I, I wasn't particularly sold on any of them, but um, so Shauna Shames and Amy Atchison have, have have said there's three types which are overly powerful government capitocracies and state of nature dystopias which are things like Mad Max. I I think that's not comprehensive enough. Darren Allen, uh, he, he had quite an interesting one, um, which uh, which was about sort of basically which which one of four authors is your dystopia like, whether it's Orwellian, which is to do with, you know, authoritarian governments and conformity, Huxleyan, which is kind of technocratic and hedonistic, um, mm. Kafkaesque, which is sort of bureaucratic and impersonal, and a Phil Dickian uh, after Philip K. Dick, which is sort of technological, virtualized. And, and of course, you know, you can be a combination of those. I, I tried to come up with my own based on sort of the idea. I had this idea that essentially a dystopia is where you take a dimension of society, of a, a dimension of the world that affects the way we live and you crank it to one extreme um, mm. and see what happens. And I think my, uh, my, three, my three-way classification would be First of all, a kind of economic one, which is, are you living in a world with uh, privation where the need to e.g. eat is a priority or or one of complete hedonism where wants have disappeared? And that's that's a popular dimension, but it's essentially, you know, capturing economic resources and and scarcity. The other one is who has power. And ultimately, what are they, their incentives? And I think there's dystopians tend dystopian fiction tends to have one of um, sort of four. One of which is the government. So that's your classic 1984 type, um, you know, an authoritarian government of some kind. Uh, then you have the church, slightly niche, but that would be you know the handmade handmade tales. Hands, the Handmaid's Tale would be an example of that. Um, technocrats. Uh, so this is sort of where you have. Uh, not really a you know democracy or an authoritarian government government by kind of faceless people so things is this, like is this Paragian fiction yeah kind of <laughs> um brave new world exactly the metropolitan like, crank up the charge. eu yeah. to an extreme and you've got and yeah. you've got you know a lot of people i mean nigel farage probably believed that being in the eu was a dystopia but um yeah brave new world was an example of that and then and then corporations and that's so that's quite a quite a popular one i think it's an interesting one to discuss actually in the light of some some data that i've looked at but so that would be stuff like rollerball or um robocop you know where corporations sort of driven by profit um are 
are the ones who essentially wield the most power. Um, so that's that's they're, they're the first two dimensions. The last one is um, individualism versus collectivism. I think both of those uh, taken to the extreme can be um, sort of dystopian. So, so I think you know, uh, Chris has got a classification based on, if you like, failure mode, yeah, um, mm. which I think is really useful. And and then uh, and so I've and I've approached it from the point of view of which dimensions could we place dystopias on. So, so having said all that, here's the question: Where are we now? Are we? It, yeah, yeah, go on. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what. Well, let's pause for a because that's exactly what I want to ask because we're a, a fair way through actually. Yeah. Um, but we need to answer that question, which is. Well, I just wonder, is this just the ramblings of three grumpy old men, right? Or is, or are we in a dystopia? Yeah. Well, what, one of the reasons I, I wanted to look at failure modes as a, as a mechanism, or like a taxonomy of, of um, dystopias, was because I've, I thought it was probably a bit more measurable in, in some way. And so, so what, I, what, I, what I sort of thought about before, before this was um, coming up with basically like a, a – a dystopia index based on those. Yeah, those, I was going to say things. it's almost like a health check. Yeah, exactly. So you could just what, say which okay. of these are we failing? So, so yeah, so I went, I like went this. through those categories. So sort of like in terms of the environment, and 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 sort of thought, okay, like zero being utopia and five being you know dystopia, uh, and and kind of tried to try to think about it methodically and use a bit of data to support it. Um, so hmm. you know the first one from the environment perspective, you know, with maybe say something like a severe ice age as being, you know, number five, not necessarily really cold, but but an extreme uh, inhospitable temperature, you know, glo globally or environment globally. Um, and my, my sense there was, you know, you look at things like um, uh, rate of temperature change and extinction rates and so on. And they are quite alarming. But then if you actually look at the impact on our lives, so if you look at things like um, uh, food security, for example, you know, in the 1870s, there were 142 deaths per 100,000 people a year from, from famine. Now, what, in, in, in the world or in the UK? Globally, globally. Right. Um, and now it's 0.5. So, you know, an mm. enormous reduction. in so, so in terms of the actual tangible effect, yes, I, I know the rate of temperature change is really important to what's going to happen. But for us today, we are not living in an inhospitable temperature, you know, but, but it, 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 to an extreme. So, so I think that it's very alarming. But, you know, so I kind of put that as a two, basically. Okay. Or well, or it's let's say that though it's sort of storing up for a future dystopia, exactly. but we don't have yeah, it yet. Storing up for a future dystopia. But right now, uh, you know, um, it's it's one of the more worrying ones. Societal rot. I, I thought this was quite, this is quite a, a, or sort of um, you know yes malaise of society. Quite a difficult one to measure. So I looked at um, the only things I could really think about were were crime rates um, and uh, you know the sort of compare, comparing like if five is kind of escape from New York territory or you know widespread cannibalism or something um then you know um if you look at like the UK uh compared for for murder rates you know it's 1.2 murders homicides per 100,000 people in El Salvador it's 62 so so for us here in the UK 
you know, I, I had that pretty low. I essentially had that kind of a zero, I think, in terms of... Yeah, I mean, and actually, uh, it's it's lower now than it was in the 90s. And the 90s, the early 90s, I think, was a peak after rising crime rates for half a... Yeah. For, well, since the 1950s. Um, you know, we, we peaked in the 90s. And that, that's why I think people worry less about crime than they did certainly 20 yeah, years ago. No, exactly. So, yes, I, you're right. We're not living... So we can rule out the escape, the, the society, the societal ma- malaise... Uh, type of failure. Yeah, it's a pity because I had you down as Snake Plissken. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nick, I think you'd be perfect. Yeah, for that. I think I, I would love that. Yeah. Get me my <laughs> patch. Yeah. So, so war. I, I, you know, I looked at sort of fatality rates from war. You know, war deaths. Effectively, they've gone mass down massively globally. Um, uh, so, yeah, I had that kind of as a as a as a zero again. Um, disasters. Yeah. You know, I had kind of Black Death as a as as five. You know, where thirty to forty percent of the population are dying. We, you know, we obviously we've got a big problem at the moment, but you know it's less than um, uh, it's less than two tenths of a percent of our population, you know, dying. So I, I, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, it still only gets a one for for me. Um, and then uh, the the more difficult one to do is technology, because if you look at technology change rates they're obviously astronomical right i mean you know all the things like processing power or d you know um amount of dna sequenced so on and so forth you know those kinds of quantitative measures are all accelerating massively but that's not to say it's bad right so so the the rate of technological progression doesn't necessarily mean bad technology um but uh you know if you look at things like surveys of people's views of technology they are by and large in the west going going down so you know it's it's a tricky one but uh, but you know we can't claim to be ruled by machines yet so so i kind of had that as a one really but the one i think that's that's most interesting is is sort of political you know and levels of authoritarianism uh you know with something like the cultural revolution as being being five you know and um we you you've got um you know, Mao Zedong during the Cultural Revolution, you know, or, or is ascribed to over his sort of um, tenure have, you know, caused 40 million deaths by his, his activity. Obviously, we're not there, but 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 deaths are only one one measure. Um, uh, so, you know, what about things like democracy? Well, most countries, 57 percent of countries are democracies now, um, with 28 percent being a bit democratic, you know, which in this in the 1976 it was only 25 percent of nations were, were democratic so that's obviously going in, in in the right direction and you know you can talk about curtailment of of freedoms at the moment which which are really significant if you think about where we are at the moment but our our sort of our assumption is that this is this is temporary so you know um it's it's a difficult one to score but really this this one led me to the floor in sort of in this approach of like, where are we today? Because all the dystopias, mm. when you look at them, they kind of happen, they have to move us from something that we recognize towards something terrible quite quite quickly. Um, and uh, so, you know, they're, they're all about a sudden transformation that occurs that you don't, nece- that you don't necessarily spot. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I mean, I concluded we're not really close to being in a, in a dystopia now. Um, but the the threat of dystopia is that it could it could be around the corner. That's what it's always sort of um, positioned at. So I, I had a 
I had a similar crack on using using my sort of three scales of of dystopia, um, and uh, and so first the first one was was um, sort of economics basically, you know, and I know wherever you are, you, nobody ever feels like they've got enough, um, and uh, but we, you know the point is that as Chris was alluding to, we we're not we're not we're no longer in a situation of privation and I, i'd say that ills of society at the moment are to do with abundance you know you think about um the abundance of information um the abundance of food uh you know the abundance of leisure in a way i i think are you know the things that deprive people of um you know of meaningful activity so i so i think we're closer to the hedonism end of that mm. scale, you know, mm. extreme hedonism being your kind of Logan's run type situation where nobody has any wants um, uh, or brave new world, you know, where everybody's blissfully happy, but it's all meaningless um, in terms of who has power. Well, I, I, I had this idea that government spending has been gradually going up as a percentage of GDP over time. I don't know where I got this idea from, because, in fact, although it has in the very long run, um, for about the last hundred years, uh, it has risen from about 30 percent of GDP to about 40 percent. So it's really not a huge sort of massive accrual of, of government power in the UK. Um, a slightly different picture with corporate corporate power. Now, the, and it's hard to measure this precisely, but two things that I looked at, one was um the wage the wage share of 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 income which is basically measures whether whether workers or or you know capitalists capital owners acquire um income and the wage share of labor has fallen from about 50 percent in the u.s i couldn't get very good data for the uk but in the u.s it's fallen about 50 percent in 1950 to just over 40 percent today which means that corporations are um or rather owners of capital are uh, now have more economic power than they used to and and of course widely discussed the the very sort of top one percent of of income owners um currently currently get something like 20 percent of of all the income earned um which uh, and for a long period after the second world war till till the mid 1980s that was about eight percent so there's been a huge increase so we have there's a kind of we have a sort of corporate elites sort of emerging essentially it's like the Piketty um, effect and, and yeah uh, but but then there isn't there is no uh, great actual trend i mean in the uk towards um you know collectivism or individualism so you know are are we um we're not we're not moving towards 1984 in terms of the sort of you know societal conformism and and we but we're also not we're not at kind of mad max levels of individualism uh there's been very little change according to the social attitude survey so so i think i think we're we're the, the type of dystopia that we're closest to would be um would be a sort of corporatist uh elite te technocracy you know where our lives are heavily influenced by these sort of faceless corporations um, and I think it's no surprise that probably the most contemporary and the most relevant uh, dystopian fiction out there would be, I think, something like Black Mirror, which is exactly about that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would, but I mean, we, we, the point is that we're not there. What's the purpose of dystopian fiction? Ultimately, it's probably to warn us against falling into those. So unusually in in one of these podcasts we have answered the question that we posed right are we living in a dystopian nightmare and how would we know 
Um, well, the answer is no, we're not. And we've, you know, set out how we would know on those different metrics that you both talked about, right? So, hooray, we're not in a dystopian night yet. Um, yet, but but as you were saying, yeah, but we might be soon, or it certainly feels like sometimes that we're slipping towards that. Um, okay, we're actually we've actually been talking for quite a while already. Um, I, there's a question I want to ask: taking a, um, a dystopian uh, universe from uh, from fiction, or hopefully from fiction, um, which one would be your preferred one to to in which to live? Yeah, well, so I think mine is 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 heavily influenced by um, my sort of childhood, really, and and that is um, Mega City One from from the Judge Dredd comic books um, as as a as a dystopia which has it all really you know you've got um you, you've got uh massively high crime rates you've got autocratic governments you've got uh fallout of nuclear wars um you've got environmental disasters with the cursed earth uh you've got obesity epidemic with with the fatties who um who on their wheels, on their wheels sort of yeah, yeah yeah their stomach and their competition eating um and so so yeah i think and it's just because it was a a weekly serial published thing the richness of that dystopia was uh was yeah quite 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 impressive and um uh yeah addressed all all of of society's ills really so um so yeah also you have you've got wonderful entertainment options as well in that if you're just a regular mega city one dweller right yeah yeah well my one of my favorite things was in um the, you know they'd banned democracy because it was you know it, it wasn't very productive it didn't really help run run society very well um but the one thing they could vote on uh every day was the weather so you know they, right. <laughs> that was it and and they they, they all uh, they always voted for us for a sunny day that's it good choice i like it uh nick well this is a slightly um I'm not, it's not obscure if you're into kind of comics and things i think but um and I, I know this only from the film, but I don't know if you guys watched or have heard of Mortal Engines. Yep. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, I would guess it's sort of a mix between alternative history, sort of steampunk, but it's post-apocalyptic sort of world set in Britain where um, cities have become these huge sort of ma- massive like tank type machines. You have these huge cities built on these enormous uh, tank treads that go around hoovering up other cities and, and gobbling up resources. And um, the big, the most evil city around that's sort of the boss, which keeps going around gobbling up these tiny, uh, tiny cities is London. And the depiction of this mobile London with St. Paul's Cathedral at the top trundling along. I just thought I want to live there. That is awesome. So yeah, I think um, I think I'd like to be the the Lord Mayor of uh, of you know the Mortal Engines version of London. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, well, look, even though I've asked that, where would we want to live? I still want to have a shout out for one. I wouldn't want to necessarily live there, but the universe of Rollable. Um, I just love the aesthetics of that place. Well, um, do you remember when um, American Gladiators came on telly? And I do. Then we got I do. Our own British version. I remember thinking, ah. Oh, this is this is just like the Running Man or Rollerball. This is fantastic. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I, and I thought it will inevitably inevitably progress to them actually killing each other, but that never happened. <laughs> but I love Sadly. the aesthetics of, of that universe. But I it actually well, I, it, I think that falls into a really one of my favourite genres, which is the seventies, um, the sort of nineteen seventies. I, I would say almost like eco um dystopias where 
you know, things are kind of everything. Everyone's kind of happy and things are sort of working, but everything is under the surface is all, you know, rotten and falling apart. And mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I love, I agree. Lo- I love Rollerball. Yeah. Yeah. But um, if we talk about purely on which un- of these universes of dystopias I would like to live, it's probably actually Brave New World. No, if you can be an alpha or whatever it is and, you know, just running around having fun, dropping Soma. And um, I think that's a pretty nice life. Well, that's um, the, that was the challenge, that's the wasn't point, it? That's the point of the book, right? Yeah. Isn't it all a bit empty? Yeah, well, but also um, yeah, well, highlights that dystopias are, are relative, right? You know, I mean, in uh, Naomi Alderman's The Power, right, you know, where, where women in, inherit this sort of electrical power and, and the, the tides shift effectively, um, you know, for the, for the Saudi Arabian women, it becomes, you know, what is sort of a dystopian novel actually, you know, ends up, being very liberating for them so um so yeah it's all relative yeah i mean can, it, but i think the, it answers the question could you have a dystopia where actually everybody is happy because even you know and and, and if you can even the epsilons even the epsilons and the delta minuses they're happy as well right yeah within 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 certain reason within you know the boundary of what they can experience but so so i mean if you can have a dystopia where everyone's happy it's a good it's a good philosophical thought experiment well, sign us up and get necking yeah. down that Huel, Nick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, look, um, we're going to stop there. Um, that was fun. I enjoyed that. If you have any comments about the show, um, we'd really like to hear from you, especially if you've got any suggestions for topics. And you can email us now. I've got a new email, which is podcast at alephinsights.com. That's Aleph spelt with a PH. Also, you've been listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please do leave a review wherever you get your podcast from as it helps others to find us. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Chris Fragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.